Hawks have wrapped up a three-game homestand, and now we know where they stand defensively. We didn't play defense. <laughs> so there was no energy. Uh, there was no urgency from us uh, on the defensive end of the floor. Welcome to The Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the new Hawks reporter here at the AJC, and we've got a pretty good show for you guys today. We've seen what the Hawks look like in their first three games, and we're going to get a chance to look at where they're going from here. They've got two games in Detroit, and we have Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press joining us to preview that. But we'll also get into what we saw in those first three games and how they'll affect the Hawks moving forward. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report. So, Daniel, we've gotten a chance to see what the Hawks' defense has looked like in those first three games. And I, I, I think we can confidently say that there's still a lot of room for improvement as far as this team's defensive identity is. I don't think they've set that into place just yet. I mean, we saw some really good things against the Houston Rockets and the Orlando Magic, but those are teams that aren't expected to be contenders. They're rebuilding. They're very young. So you would expect the Hawks to be the more dominant defensive team and it kind of wasn't quite there. I mean, they were kind of struggling against Houston, especially because they had guards that are attack first guards. Um, they were struggling against the Magic, who, again, they have a lot of length, a lot of size between Mobamba, uh, Paolo Bencaro, uh, Franz Wagner, even Bobo. I mean, it was just not a very good defensive out. I mean, it, it was it was OK, but it, it was to be expected defensive outing, you would say. And then on Sunday night against the Charlotte Hornets, it was rough, <laughs> to say the least. I mean, they had a solid start holding holding the, the Hornets to uh, 26 points in the first quarter, or excuse me, 22 points in the first quarter. And then things just went off the rails. The Hornets were able to score 80, as you know, we're going to mention, they scored 82 points between the second and third quarters. And the Hawks struggled to just get back into this game. Um, I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier that it kind of started to go off the rails when Trey Young picked up that third foul and and they just lost all sense of rhythm. Nate teased it at the beginning of the show that they lost all sense of urgency. So it's just, 
you know, they've got a lot to figure out. I mean, what did you think of these first three games? I agree with you. I think the first two games I saw, I thought the team played pretty good defense, but you talk about the talent on the other side of it where, you know, could we really gauge how well defensively this team was? But it was pretty eye-opening Sunday night to see what the Hornets were able to do. And I think some of that was also dictated by the lack of shots the Hawks were making in quarters two and three because that means you're able to get Charlotte out in transition. And some of that defense came on fast break points where the Hornets just had opportunities to run because they were running on misses and not taking the ball out of the net. So I think the offense kind of dictates the defense a little bit sometimes too. And we talk about Trey Young getting its third foul. I mean, that's a, a huge portion of your offense being out when you needed a guy like him and so I think the you talk about the urgency I think as soon as the shots started missing the defense started lagging a little bit and they just really couldn't recover the Hornets got all the confidence they needed but I felt like it was just a missed opportunity defensively you really could have gauged yesterday where they're even if it was against three teams technically that the talent wise wasn't there Lamella Ball Terry Rozier their backups were not playing so you still could have seen, all right, if they played consistently some pretty solid defense the first three games, at least had a gauge of what they would look like if they played a better team, which they will here in the next couple of games. But I feel like when you didn't have those weapons out there for Charlotte, this should have been a, a lot lower scoring affair for Charlotte than it was. And I think the, the, the second quarter kind of unraveled everything. And with a young team, sometimes they just never had were able to recover. I think it just once you got they got down, there was no turning back after that. Yeah, I, I think Nate kind of had a really good uh, quote at the end of the game yesterday on Sunday that once the shots weren't falling, he just noticed that the energy level was just kind of sucked out of that rotation. And I mean, even that second unit, which has been kind of a stabilizing force for the Hawks in preseason and these in the first two games, they just weren't meshing they weren't connecting and that's something that they're going to need to do on a consistent basis i mean the the hornets bench outscored them i believe it was like 58 to 28 or something it was just it was just not what you need from a more experienced bench unit so the the hornets bench outscored them 52 to 28 that's a pretty sizable difference. I mean, most of that was done by a sophomore center, Nick Richards, who scored a career-high 20 points. He didn't miss a shot in the 20 minutes that he played, and he was just carving them up inside the paint, uh, setting solid screens and rolling to the basket, cutting to the basket, throwing down monster dunks. I mean, you can't you can't have that from a guy who is only in his second year, Um you know, Clint Capella and Onyeka just seemed to be looking the other way, and he took a complete advantage of that. So I just think that, one, we, we need to see this Hawks team be a lot more aware defensively. We need to see them be a lot more energetic defensively. And, you know, it's admirable that DeJounte Murray took accountability as the guy who, you know, is supposed to be the person that sets the tone of this defense. But I mean, it doesn't fall and it doesn't start and end with him. You need the rest of this unit to kind of be cohesive. And it just didn't seem like they were on the same page. They weren't talking nearly as much as you needed them to. And they're going to need to do that, especially as you mentioned, they're, they've got some really tough games coming up. They have, after they make their stop in, the, in Detroit <laughs> and play the Pistons, who can be a surprising team. And we'll get into that later. But uh, they have the Milwaukee Bucks who finished second in the Eastern Conference. And even though 
We've seen them play well against the Milwaukee Bucks in preseason. I think the big difference is now they're going to be facing Giannis for a full 48 minutes, not just a first half. Um, They're going to be facing a team that is going to be playing a lot more intensely than they did in preseason. After they face the Bucks, they're going to be facing the Toronto Raptors, who's going to be one of those teams that is going to be in the mix for the playoffs. I mean, they can fall anywhere from four to six to, you know, being a playing team. We just have no idea, you know, where Toronto is going to be in the mix. I mean, in the standings, they are currently tied for 20th at one and two. But as you mentioned, it's it's really kind of hard to gauge where teams are at this point in the season where there have only been three to four games that have happened. And then after that, they they play the Knicks and, and the Knicks have been quite a different team now that Jalen Brunson is in the mix. So I think we're going to need to see a lot more urgency. And I'm sure Nate McMillan wants to see a lot more urgency from this team, especially as the schedule begins to get more and more difficult, more games get played. And I know, you know, in those first two games, he kind of attributed the, I guess, uh, sluggishness to his team needing to play back into condition. And, you know, they're going to need to figure that out quickly just because the season isn't going to get any easier from here. No, I completely agree. And I think the best way to start it, to start gauging this team is after this five-game road trip is when you, you'll have eight to ten games in your belt, you'll finally start to see what this team is made of. And I, we talked about this before. We've talked about it on the other podcast when you have a team like Charlotte that has those injuries and you're wanting to be a top seed in the East, you can't drop these games like that. Those are the ones that a divisional game at home when the mellow ball isn't playing and a team that's most likely not going to do much this season, you can't have those type of losses. And so I think that one could bite them in the butt later on in March and April, but you're absolutely right. I think what I saw a little bit last night too is, and this happens with every NBA team, you get down 10, 15 points. You mentioned the bench everyone turns to hero ball just probably a little bit more than you expect. You know, Nate, you know, praised the team with 30 assists after the first win against Houston. But when you're down, players just try to take in their own hands like, all right, I want to get a shot up. This is a top top for me to get a couple. Let me just throw up a three fast break. You're maybe not giving up that extra pass that you, you might you might keep it yourself and miss a contested layup. So I saw a little bit of that last night where guys were pulling up not moving the ball around. It got stuck on one side or, or you know, stuck inside and not really dishing it back out. So I think that's something that will just have to come with just playing more games and learning kind of, you mentioned the communication. It's still little things on defense. You know, it starts, all defense starts with effort. And, you know, the schemes will get there. But if the effort's not there and the game changes and the team just loses that energy and momentum, I mean, that's where I think the Hawks kind of lost it after those those two quarters where they let up 82 points. By the time you got to the fourth, you saw a little bit of progression, but it was too little too late because you dug yourself in a big hole. But even these two games in Detroit, because now that this new NBA schedule from a couple of years ago where you're playing two games in one city, you know, a lot of times you expect them to split those. It's kind of hard for one team to win both of those games, but Detroit might not be, you know, a team that can make the playoffs, but I think they could easily be a playing contender with some of the young talent they have now that they have Jaden Ivey and you have Cunningham in the mix and you have Bogdanovich who, who's able to shoot too. They're, they're not a terrible team. Isaiah Stewart, you mentioned, and you'll get into that with Amari later on, but just because it's Detroit, it's not going to be like, all right, this is 
Pelican or Hawks are going to get two wins in a row here automatically. So I think we'll learn a lot more about this team when they're done with this road trip. Hopefully it's one that you learn a lot of good things more than bad things. But I think this is kind of a, a the longest road trip of the year is in your first five games of the season or first eight games of the season. So I'm curious to see what team's going to come back and what the record's going to be when they come back from this. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of want to go back to talking about the ball movement. You, you started to bring it up a little bit there where it just started to kind of stick with one guy. They started to play hero ball. I mean, Nate even diagnosed it himself, saying that he noticed that people were more concerned with their own shots. And, you know, he has set a goal for this team to end every night with 25 plus assists just Based off of analytics, he's, you know, realized that that is the right number to kind of die or dictate how well the ball moved on a given night. And so, you know, they did that. You mentioned it against Houston, had 30 assists against the Magic. They only had 26. And even though that kind of falls within the threshold with guards like DeJounte and, and Trey, who are averaging eight plus assists per night, you want to see the ball moving more than the baseline of 25 assists per game. I mean, we saw them have, what, 11 and 13 in the first game or, or or 13 and 14. I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head, but it was high. And so, you know, I, I, I can't expect them to have that high of a number every single night, but they're the first backcourt in the NBA that averages 20 plus points and, and nine plus assists. And you want to see that out of guys who are all-star caliber guards and um you know the fact that we weren't able to see that in that game against charlotte just speaks to how i guess individualized they were in terms of trying to turn the to, to turn the game around and you know basketball is the perfect team sport you can't put it on the shoulders of one player and i mean that's part of the reason that they went out and got Dejounte murray is because they want to make sure that the ball is consistently moving in those non-tray minutes and i wonder you know, when Trey sat down, DeJounte had to come back in a little bit earlier than normal. How much that really kind of threw off maybe his rhythm of getting the ball moving, getting into that defensive mindset. And I mean, regardless, you have to have that person step up because you're not going to have the perfect uh, game plan every single night. Yes, you have your game plan, but it's not going to go according to that game plan every single night. So uh, Nate said it himself as well. He was kind of alluding to needing somebody on the bench to kind of step up, and he didn't get that. And we're going to have to see a guy like Justin Holiday step up and knock those shots down, move the ball, because he is that veteran presence. He knows what Nate expects. We're going to need a guy like Aaron Holiday to do that. We're going to need a guy like Onyeka Okongu to continue help move the ball, protect the paint, and get shots inside the paint. Um, we're going to need a guy like Jalen Johnson to push the ball out in transition after he grabs those rebounds. I mean, those are things that Nick McMillan has challenged this team to do, and we just didn't see that last night. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here now that they've seen what it's like to be blown out by a team that you're expected to beat. So, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of where I am with that. No, I think adversity kind of might be a good thing for this team that they faced it before they hit the road trip. Like, all right, we got our butts kicked a little bit. And now you kind of see that it's, this is how it's going to be every night where it's not going to be 
a simple cookie cutter type of game where you had in, in the first two games against Houston and Orlando. And keep in mind, we mentioned the bench, you know, Bogdanovich hasn't played a game yet. That's going to open up some scoring off the bench as well. So, you know, in a night like last night, maybe you don't have to rely on Justin pulling up or Aaron, you know, maybe going for a contested layup. And I'm not just calling those two out. It was everyone off the bench and everyone in the starting lineup too, you know, starting to play that. But you might have another three-point threat in Bogdanovich where the ball maybe makes that extra pass across the weak side and you had Bogdanovich that you have to worry about. I think that's the thing with this team is there are plenty of people and plenty of talented weapons out there that you're going to have to worry about Trey, DeJounte, and then the pick and roll with Capella and John Collins inside, or even getting an offensive rebound, kicking it back out and Trey or, or Bogey knocking down a three. So I think when they have their full complement, that could change things where maybe they do are able to come back or maybe the lead wasn't going to get as big as it did last night based on the offense that was able to be played when you have Bogey back. So it's this one of these moments where it's like not ideal, but in game number three, you learn from it. And now the perfect time is they get to go on the road. You know, road trips sometimes can be good for teams, especially when you have a new guy like DeJounte, a really impactful player that you get to see these guys be leaders off the court. What are they doing in between days? You know, what are they doing off the court? And then it's us against the world when you go into these arenas especially some of the arenas they're going to go into and play some big games. New York now is always a big game with Trey Young there. Milwaukee's always something now with a playoff series. I mean, these are going to Toronto be games for them. Is, Toronto, yeah. Yeah, Toronto the always brings out a, Yes, always yes. brings out a great crowd. I yeah. got to go to their ring ceremony. The Pelicans played them a few years oh, ago. And right. That was an unbelievable atmosphere. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy, but I think it's a good kind of, as we mentioned, a way to figure out who this team is, and we'll find out once they get back. Absolutely. And I think, too, uh, just to kind of go back a little bit with the fact that the Hawks do need outside shooting until uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich comes back, I wonder if a, a night like last night creates a case for for Nate McMillan to go to his rookie, A.J. Griffin, a little bit sooner. I mean, when, when A.J. Griffin's number was called early in that fourth quarter, I mean, he came in and knocked down a shot off an assist from from DeJounte Murray. And I think that's kind of maybe something that Nate needs to consider a little bit earlier in the game. And I don't think that, you know, it might have completely changed the landscape of last night's game. But considering that they were 0 for 3 in the beginning of that second quarter and then ended up giving up uh, 37 points or uh, let me double check that, but. Yep, 37 points. Um, I think maybe things might have been a little bit closer in that second quarter had they had um, A.J. Griffin's ability to space the floor a little bit more, especially since they were struggling to move the ball. So who knows? I mean, maybe maybe Griffin maybe made a, a bit more of a case for him to get some more minutes in, in this rotation. And, and Nate kind of alluded to that toward the end of his media availability last night and said that, you know, right now he is, you know, still kind of figuring things out with that rotation a little bit. He said he may keep it at nine and maybe somebody who is in that kind of nine man rotation gets bumped out and AJ gets put in, or he might extend it out to 10 and, and give AJ some more minutes. So I'm curious if he decides to keep it at nine and put AJ in, who that person may be that gets kind of <laughs> bumped out a little bit 
Um, but I think, but I think the case is that maybe he just needs to play ten guys because I think all of those guys in that rotation do add so much. I mean, with the holidays, you have you know those pit bulls on defense with um, Jalen Johnson. Again, he adds another defensive layer. He adds more length, and he adds another ball handler that can help get things going. So I don't know. I I think to me. Griffin has made the case that they should extend that rotation out to 10 and maybe cut somebody's minutes back a little bit more to make sure that's a possibility. Yeah, Nate's going to have to do some reshuffling. I think you, you mentioned it because when Bogey comes back, that's not a player that is coming back and he's trying to fight for minutes. He's getting minutes. And so who's going to be whose minutes are going to be lost because of him? And then who gets taken out and who get who maybe falls down the line a little bit more. So I think with the player's trying to figure things out. I think Nate's trying to figure things out too. And now you have another big, it's a good problem to have when Bogey's able to get back, but it's something that Nate's going to have to figure out as far as differentiating how much shooting he wants. And then I think it's also going to be the situation in the matchup base as far as size of the other team and the athleticism of, of who they're putting in and also the youth a little bit in situations where AJ, a little raw and young, might not be ready playing against some of the, the main starters if he is getting early minutes. But fourth quarter situations might be a little different depending on how they're doing in the game. So I think, again, you're going to learn more about this team the next five games on this road trip. And once Bogey gets back, then you're going to have to kind of evaluate a different look team when they're fully healthy. For sure. And, you know, as of now, Bogey has just been kind of limited to just light shooting and light drills. He hasn't been able to go live at all and, and be a participant participant in practice so until he's able to do that it's still kind of just day to day so I mean I think this is the time for Nate to really see how AJ can handle uh NBA caliber talent we've gotten a taste of it let I say let's put the rookie in a little bit longer I mean you drafted him at 16th for his shooting so let's take advantage of his shooting but until then you know they're going to have a lot to figure out with this rotation. They're going to have to make a lot of adjustments on the defensive end. And until we see that, this is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, we've been having a great conversation so far, and I just want to take this time to thank everyone who has been listening and has subscribed to the AJC and AJC.com. You know, it's what makes all of this possible. And I just want to encourage those who aren't subscribers just yet to go ahead and subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. 
That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So, you know, again, we got a chance to kind of break down how those first three games are going to affect this upcoming road trip and how much this upcoming road trip is going to tell us about where this Hawks team is. Now, because we got a ch- we're, we're going to be spending some time in Detroit, I thought it would be appropriate to bring one of my really great friends on and kind of get a chance to be a little bit selfish and talk about a team that I covered for two years. They were the first team that I got a chance to cover in the NBA. And so, you know, we have Omari Sankofa from the Detroit Free Press here with us today uh, to give us a little bit of a preview of where the Pistons are. Omari, again, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, happy to join the Hawks report. Uh, we got basketball back, and uh, it's been cool to see you killing it down in Atlanta. So happy to chat. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so grateful to have you on. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is just kind of uh, a little bit of a selfish remin- reminiscing kind of thing, walking down memory lane slash getting into previewing, you know, the Pistons since the Hawks are going to be playing them for those two games on Wednesday and Friday. And, you know, we just want to get a chance to know what this new look Pistons look like. I mean, I got a chance to cover them uh, for a couple of years, got a chance to see Cade's rookie year. But now, I mean, I'm sure Cade looks a lot different now that he has Jaden Ivey in the backcourt with him versus Corey Joseph or Killian Hayes. Um, Stu, Beef Stu, Isaiah Stewart, he's knocking down threes. Um, you know, they're of course without Marvin Bagley, who they, you know, I, I'm sure factored into the rotation a lot. Um, he's been out with, uh, what a bone bruise or a UCL tear. What's, what's going on there? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a sprained, uh, MCL and bone bruise, which happened during preseason, just had a a bad fall. So, uh, actually avoided the worst. It looked like it might've been, uh, an ACL when it happened. Yeah. Uh, So. Exactly. You know, for him, he'll probably be back in mid-November. Assuming there's no setbacks, but uh, yeah, as you said, uh, you know, some changes with the team, obviously with Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, but also a lot of the same. Uh, you know, I think the Hawks mm-hmm. might have had more significant changes <laughs> this this uh, <laughs> past offseason if you just look at the the big trade they made. So, uh, for sure, and of course that trade was them acquiring Dejounte Murray from the San Antonio Spurs and. I mean, for the Hawks right now, it's been a little bit of an adjustment period. Um, I don't know in Pistons land if Cade and and Ivy are continuing to find the right chemistry. But right now, I think uh, the Hawks are still kind of getting used to DeJounte Murray leading that second unit. I mean, on Sunday night, they kind of had a little bit of uh, a rough go against the Hornets, one of the top scoring teams in the NBA through these first three games. So, I mean, what has it been like watching Ivy and Cade kind of find synergy and and run the backcourt together? Yeah, I mean, kind of like the Hawks, I think uh, there's a a filling out process whenever you have two guards who are used to having the ball in their hands, uh, sharing a backcourt together. I think so far, it's been it's been okay. Uh, the Pistons are re- rebuilding, so you know, as you know, Dwayne Casey likes to say we don't measure progress in, in uh, <laughs> wins and losses, uh, which we'll probably hear a lot 
uh, this season as we did last year. But I think I think Ivy's looked really good. Uh, he's shooting about fifty percent from the field. He shot pretty well from three. Um, everything we saw from him at Purdue, as far as his athleticism, his quickness, uh, that's all translated. I think he's actually looked a bit better as a passer uh, than expected coming in. Uh, Kate is Kate. Uh, he's been uh, a little slow to start the season as far as getting his own shot, but uh, he tried to lead a pretty fierce comeback uh, against the Indian and the Pacers on Saturday, uh, which again, as a rookie, we saw him uh, try to lead a lot of comebacks last season. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's been fun. Uh, you know, I think it'll be uh, some time uh, before they figure out how to play to each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, you know, of course, as games go on, I think Kate will dominate the ball more. So Ivy will have to find ways to um, get his shots and find ways to impact the game that don't involve him having the ball, whether it's knocking down shots or cutting or uh, just locking down his man on defense. So definitely a filling out process. But uh, so far, I think they've just looked young, but there's been some fun moments as well. And I think the fact that, you know, bringing it back to the Hawks a little bit, um, you know, obviously Trey Young has had five years of experience in the NBA now, um, or he's going into his fifth year. Um, Murray, kind of similar. He's had about six years in the NBA. So they kind of get that they have to get things moving a little bit quickly, whereas the Pistons, they can have this feeling out process a little bit longer just because they're rebuilding. So... I, I think a lot of people have been pleasantly surprised at how much Trey and DeJounte have kind of clicked. Um, Trey's been playing off the ball a little bit more when Murray's on the floor with him. And for better or for worse, it's it's looked pretty good. I mean, I, I think there's still some things that they need to clean up just because they've been turnover prone in these last couple of games. Um, and I don't know, have the how, how have the Pistons been in terms of taking care of the ball. I mean, can Murray, who's a guy who averages multiple steals a game, take advantage of a team that's young and inexperienced in these uh, upcoming two games that they have against each other? Um, yeah, he absolutely can. Uh, the Pistons have, I wouldn't say that they've struggled with turning the ball over a lot, but they've definitely struggled with knowing what to do after the ball's turned over as far as just getting back in transition. Uh, I think the Pacers had a lot of uh, easy buckets in the second half on Saturday, uh, just because the Pistons were uh, making careless mistakes, even though I don't think the turnover count for that game was actually that bad. I think they only finished with maybe 13 or 14 turnovers. So uh, DeJounte Murray, obviously, is one of the better defensive guards in the NBA. Um, and I think Atlanta just has a lot of good defenders up and down the roster. They have a lot of athletes. Um, you know, I think I think John Collins can hold his own defensively. and. Um, they're just a, a better and deeper roster. So for the Pistons, you have two young ball handlers with Cade and Ivy, obviously. I think uh, that'll put pressure on them to make smart decisions um, and definitely avoid the young mistakes. Um, you know, and I, and I do think that that's a front backcourt for Atlanta and uh, as well. I mean, Trey Young is Trey Young, obviously, but I think DeJounte Murray uh, being one of the best rebounding guards, being a good defender. Um, not a great shooter, but maybe having somebody else with gravity on the team like Trey Young will help him out a little bit. So um, that will probably be uh, one of the biggest challenges that Detroit would have faced up until that point, you know, just given that two of their first three games were against teams that are sort of in the same boat as them uh, with the Indiana Pacers and Orlando Magic. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the Hawks played the Magic on Friday night and the Magic gave them some trouble early in that game. I mean, it really came down to the 
you know, last half of the third quarter and the fourth quarter for the Hawks to really kind of pull that win out. And then when they faced the Hornets on Sunday, I mean, they won the first quarter and then just completely fell apart in the final three. So I think the Pistons do have, you know, the ability to be a team that can shock people. I mean, we saw it a lot last season where they would pull out some wins against teams that they had no business winning against. I mean, we saw them do that with the Utah Jazz in January last year after, you know, they had that whole COVID um kind of shut down there. So, I mean, if the Hawks, who have kind of struggled defensively a little bit in these first three games, can't get it together, I think this is kind of a ripe opportunity to, for the Pistons to pull off their second win because in last night or in Sunday's game, again, against the Hornets, they gave up about 82 points in the second and third quarters. I mean, Nate McMillan was not pleased with that after the game. I mean, he was dropping F-bombs. <laughs> That's how upset he was. <laughs> And, um, you know, they they gave up 60 points in the paint to the to the Houston Rockets, gave up 62 points in the paint to the Hornets. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty good opportunity for for Duran and Stu and even Ivy to kind of show off their ability to get inside the paint. I mean, the Hawks have also had some trouble kind of, you know, closing out just because of the Hornets' ability to kind of collapse things and leave things open for their shooters. So, I mean, they have a guy like Bojan Bogdanovich. Um, the Hawks don't have their <laughs> Bogdanovich ready to go yet. He's still recovering from um, knee surgery. So, I mean, I think I think this could be, a you know, a chance for the Pistons to have a surprise win if the Hawks can't get their defense going. I mean, what have you seen offensively from them that, might make that a possibility. Uh, so the Pistons do have more players who can hit shots, I think, this season. Uh, Bogdanovic, uh, who we just talked about, obviously one of the better wings in the NBA, uh, has been really good to start the season. Uh, Sadiq Bay has been good to start the season. Ivy's been good to start the season. And then you have Cade, who, uh, again, hasn't been as efficient as you'd like, but still obviously a guy who uh, can really get going as the game goes on. Um, I think one of the issues for the Pistons is that they struggle to get size. Uh, the New York Knicks, you, um, you have a lot of, um, whether they're athletic or just strong guys like Mitch Robb and uh, Julius Randle uh, can kind of bully the Pistons a little bit. And especially with them just being down a couple centers, um, Marvin Bagley and then Dermis Noel that hasn't made a season debut yet. Um, that's put a lot of pressure on Isaiah Stewart, who um, is good defensively, but a little undersized, obviously. And then you also have uh, Jalen Duran who has played a pretty big role early on, probably bigger than you would expect for an 18-year-old. And for an 18-year-old, I think he's been good. I think he's been good in general, but uh, still yeah. prone to making. He's only 18. He's only 18. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't turn 19 until yeah. next month, so uh, still prone to making yeah. rookie mistakes. And he struggled with foul trouble as well. Uh, so you have a team in the Hawks. I mean, we talk about Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, but uh, John Collins is one of the better scoring power forwards in the league. Uh, you know, you have a, a really good defender in Lofter and Clint Capella. Uh, I think Okongwu uh, is a, a really good defender, even though he's also undersized. So I think the Atlanta Hawks have a lot of ways that could kill you. Uh, you have two guards who can uh, really score the ball. Uh, you have a lot of sides, and you have some wings. And uh, DeAndre Hunter, um, I think he's all around good. Jalen Johnson, uh, you know, I think like I like his game, although I don't know how much of a role he's had <laughs> this season yet. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he has been one of the Hawks is, and, and this is Jalen Johnson, he's been one of the Hawks' strongest defenders um, or stronger defenders. 
Um, I mean, that's how he's been earning his minutes, essentially. I, I think he's still young and, and Nate, Nate McMillan is looking for him to continue proving ways that he can impact the game offensively. And he's kind of challenged him to be that rebounding power forward that can push the ball in transition because that's where the, the Hawks want to kind of make their bread and butter is getting out in transition as quickly as possible just because of the the speed that they have in Murray and the speed that they have in, in Jalen Johnson and and. And even Trey. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that he does have the potential to impact the game a little bit more. I think it's still an adjustment period because he hasn't played this many significant minutes because he spent much of his season last year in the G League. So, um, but I think, I think one of the things that we can't discount is that, I mean, I think Isaiah Stewart gave Clint Capella some trouble last season inside the paint. I mean, they were pretty, they were battling pretty, pretty toughly there <laughs> in those uh, two final two matchups that, you know, the Hawks played in Detroit last season. So I, I don't think I can discount the impact that Stu could have for the Pistons against, against Capella and even Okongu, just because they're all three of them are undersized centers. No doubt. And Isaiah Stewart's also been shooting the three uh, this season, which, um, you know, I think if you can get uh, John Collins or, um, Clint Capella out of the paint and that opened things up as well. So, uh, you know, the Pistons will sneak up on some teams this season. Uh, you know, I think obviously on paper, the Hawks um, are much more talented at the top, but uh, the Pistons have some sneaky depth. Uh, they got Isaiah Livers back recently, so that helped a lot. So, you know, maybe if they get Nerlens back in time for the game, that'll help them uh, up front as well. So uh, they have some pieces. Uh, I think the margin of error is done for this team, just given that a lot of these guys are still young enough to be juniors and seniors in college or not younger, but <laughs> they have talent. They have talent. Uh, I think they're a year away, but uh, it should certainly be a fun game given that the Hawks were where the Pistons were about three years ago. Yeah. I mean, what's the timeline for Nerland's Noel to come back? Uh, right now it's pretty vague. Uh, you know, like okay. I know he was dealing with a uh, foot issue uh, during training camp and they've been bringing him along uh, pretty slowly. Uh, Dwayne Casey kind of characterized it as if he, uh, if they really, really needed him, uh, they would break the emergency glass and, and play him. But gotcha. they haven't gotten to that point yet. So, you know, of course, Nerlens is a pretty good defender. We've seen it over the years, a pretty good athlete. So he gives the Pistons some things they need, but it's just getting him on the floor. I mean, another strong player that, that the Pistons picked up this offseason was Alec Burke. I mean, where is he in his recovery? I, I I don't see that he's made his debut this season yet. Yeah, another uh, situation where it's kind of vague right now. Uh, he was supposed to be reevaluated um, last week, and uh, they announced at the beginning of training camp that he had a, a navicular fracture in his left foot, and um, you know, he's been he had surgery for that earlier this year and has been recovering. Uh, we've seen him behind the scenes, uh, you know, just getting some um, pickup action and after practices and whatnot, but. Hasn't yet been a full participant. Uh, he's like a 38% career shooter from three, so the Pistons really need that help on the wing and don't have it right now. So, again, I would not expect him to uh, be around be ready. this week and, mm-hmm. and, and be ready, uh, which hurts the Pistons as well. Uh, yeah, they're a little banged up right now. Um, you know, they have some, some vests that they're waiting to get back, so that's kind of hurt them. For sure. And, I mean... Can we, and this is, maybe this is totally out of left field, but can we expect Wednesday or Friday night to be a Kevin Knox 
revenge game. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's up to Kevin Knox. We'll see. We'll see. He uh, played in the first yeah. two games, so he had a decent game uh, during the last preseason game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, once Isaiah Livers came back, that kind of flexed him back out of the rotation. But, um, you know, I know he had a cameo with the, the Hawks last year. Uh, he did. Know, 17 games. On paper, you know, he's 6'8". Uh, he shot the bar pretty well in college. Hasn't quite translated to the NBA. Uh, but he's a guy where the Pistons, if he can knock down shots, the Pistons need him uh, just because they, they, they need shooting. And, um, you know, again, with Alec Burks being out, they can use some help on the wing. So maybe it will be a re- re- revenge game. I know Dwayne always says he, he's kind of superstitious about, you know, players playing their former team. So maybe that'll ignite yeah. something in him. Right. I mean, how I mean, how did he do against the New York Knicks? I mean, like, that's another revenge game there uh, for him. Yeah, I don't. Not great. None of the Pistons really did great against the Knicks. So I'm not going right. <laughs> to. I'm not going to hold that one against them. I think I think Sadiq and Boyan were the only players who could really get it going against them. But. You know, on on paper, I, I think I think Doc has all the tools he needs to emerge as a a solid NBA wing. It's just him applying it to uh, game action. For sure, and I mean, again, the Hawks and the Pistons will face off on both Wednesday and Friday nights in Detroit. That's um, the start of their eight day, five game road trip that includes visits to again Detroit, Milwaukee, Toronto. And then they'll wrap things up against the Knicks in New York before coming back home to face the Pelicans. So, Omari, I'm so grateful again. Thank you so much for spending some time with me chatting about the Pistons um, and giving us a preview of what we can expect when, when they face the Hawks at the end of this week. So tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on right now. No doubt. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, Happy to make my Hawks report debut and I'll be able to do it again soon. Um, yeah. So everybody can follow me on Twitter at Omari Sankofa. That's O-M-A-R-I-S-A-N-K-O-F-A. You can find my work um, at the Detroit Free Press. That's F-R-E-E-P.com. Um, where I'm working on a lot of great stuff. And I also plug my pod, uh, the Pistons Post, which drops every Tuesday. Awesome. Well, with Omari, you can go for the Pistons coverage and stay for the pop culture commentary. <laughs> I do have some of that from time to time. <laughs> he does. And the food takes. All right. And the food takes. Yep. So, Omari, again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you in Detroit. Yeah, see you soon. All right. Thank you so much again, Omari. Again, you can find his work at freep.com. That's F-R-E-E-P.com. You know, he's a great writer, great friend of mine. And... Now we'll get a chance again to see where this Hawks team is. They'll kick things off again in Detroit against the Pistons for two games. Then they'll head to Milwaukee to face the Bucks, who we got a chance to see what they kind of look like against the Bucks in preseason. But again, it's the regular season now. It's for real. The intensity has certainly picked up, so it's not going to be the exact same matchup that we saw in those exhibition games in Abu Dhabi. Then they'll head to Toronto, which, again, is a team that could surprise a lot of people just because of how quickly they've been able to rebuild a bit since that NBA championship back in 2019. And then they'll head to New York. They have to face Jalen Brunson and that new look backcourt. And and again, Brunson is one of those guys who 
just a very intense player. He was pretty much responsible for the, well, not pretty much. He he was a, a big proponent in uh, that playoff run that the Mavericks had last season when Luka Doncic was out with an injury. So the Hawks have a lot of work cut out for them. But until then, I'm going to sign off. I've been talking for way too much. I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing my voice. But I'm Lauren Williams, the host of The Hawks Report. And thank you guys for listening to our show today. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.